Hello, everyone, and welcome to our College Sports Communicators live webinar presented by the CSC Diversity and Inclusion Committee. We are pleased to offer this session on keeping DE&I at the forefront. Thank you for joining this important session as we discuss ways to address and promote diversity, equity, and inclusion opportunities in our ever-changing college athletics environments. Our presenters are here to offer their thoughts and expertise and to take your questions. As we discuss strategies and ideas on how the college sports industry can continue to promote greater inclusivity and diversity at all levels and in leadership roles. And as we welcome your questions at any time, just place them in the Q&A function of this Zoom. You can use the chat feature to comment, but please place all your questions in the Q&A channel. I'm Jessica Poole. I serve as the immediate past president of CSC. And in my day job, I am the team president and chief operating officer for Minnesota Aurora FC. And I will serve as the web webinar moderator. As a reminder, we are recording this webinar and later on the CSC website and YouTube page, you can catch it as on-demand session. We will, offer, we will also offer it on numerous podcast channels. Please invite fellow and current CSC colleagues to listen and watch this as well. We appreciate you joining us today and remember to ask your questions. We have a lot to discuss, so let's get started. Now, here are today's panelists. I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves and then we'll get to the questions. Um, let's start with Hamilton. Hey everyone, I'm Hamilton Cook, Associate Commissioner and Senior Minority Administrator at the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Um, we are a D1 mid-major. A lot of people don't know us or they confuse it with the other Mac. So uh, we are based at Edison, New Jersey. I oversee all of our DEI initiatives here at the league office. Um, I also serve as our conference ADID. And in addition to being on the CSC Diversity and Inclusion Committee, I'm also on the NCA Minority Opportunities and Interest Committee. Thank you, Hamilton. Next, uh, Sebastian. Hi, everybody. My name is Sebastian Bush. I'm the Assistant Athletic Director for Communications at the City College of New York. I'm happy to be here. I've been, I was, uh, had the opportunity to be a part of the CSC Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship last year, and I'm happy to be here. Great. Uh, Dewan. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Hamilton, Sebastian, thanks for great intros. Uh, pleasure to meet with you all today. My name is Dewan Baker. I serve as the Associate Athletic Director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, within Colorado Athletics, uh, been here for about three years now, um, have engaged with um, what was formerly COSIDA and now CSC for a number of years around diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, and excited to, to converse with everybody today. Thanks, Duan. And last but not least, Dominique. Hey, y'all. I'm Dominique. Y'all can call me Dom. Uh, I'm currently a senior at Southern Miss, and uh, I was one of the founders of LSU uh, Black Student Athlete Association. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you everyone for introducing yourselves and we will dive right into some questions. I'm gonna kick this first one to Dewan. Um, Dewan, how have you seen DEIB work evolve over the years and what are you seeing as needs in this space and this current climate? Uh, thanks, Jess. I, I would say the way it's evolved has been pretty, um, I would say almost kind of like a roller coaster, right? And so um, I had the, the pleasure of serving as a diversity and inclusion director for Nebraska. Um, and I stepped into that role in 2018. And in 2018, when I stepped into that role, I was one of about 30 that we knew of around the country that was uh, doing that role with a, with a specific focus and being like positioned within athletics. Fast forward to 2022, the last information that at least that I know of is that there were 
102 open roles by fall 2022, right? And so uh, definitely a jump in and the amount of opportunities and people who are kind of situated within athletics who are promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion or have that as like a core responsibility. And uh, we'll have to recheck numbers um, going into this school year, but, uh, you know, 30 to 100 plus is a, is a pretty significant jump, right? And so I would say back then um, and even into the past two years, a lot of the needs have really been around what a roadmap looks like for this role because it was so new. And so what are best practices? Who are people we need to be connected with? What's the funding structure like? Um, how do you sustain it? How do you ask staff? Are a lot of the conversations that, that me and my colleagues have and have had for the past two years. And currently, a lot of the needs really have shifted to uh, what's happening in the country around some of the anti-DEI legislation that we're seeing. And so uh, almost half of U.S. states have introduced some type of anti-DEI legislation. And uh, obviously, that's a big chunk of, you know, our college athletic departments and where they reside, where they live, where they work. And a lot of folks in my role or who aspire to be in my role now um, or just work within my role or adjacent to the role, right, are asking a lot of questions around, hey, what does it look like to actually navigate and, and still do this work amongst all the legislation that is preventing um, or just flat out telling us that, no, you cannot do this work anymore, right? And so um, a lot of what we're seeing now is how do people, again, sit in this role, kind of navigate, or how do people who are working on these initiatives continue to do them if they're getting state funds or um, if their their government doesn't want them or their legislation doesn't want them to, to participate. And so uh, really shifting to how to be strategic, how to continue to do work, um, how to even take it underground in some, in some ways, right? And so uh, that's really been a lot of the conversation, at least for the last year, and how it is that we can continue to do the work at a high level, even though we're being getting opposition from it from all types of levels. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right. I think that that's been the major focus over the course of the last year is how do you navigate? Um, and I'm curious, and this is open to anyone on the panel, how have, how have you begun to navigate that? How have, what are some things that your colleagues are doing or things that people have heard of that people are doing to navigate some of those? Um, because in some places you can't even use the words, like, are we changing, you know, how are we changing titles? Are we, you know, what are those things that, that you're seeing people, small steps that people are taking to try and keep it at the front while also be compliant, I guess is, is the right, the right word there. So I'm just curious if anyone has heard of anything. I can, I can share what I've seen. I've seen a lot of uh, my friends, colleagues uh, change titles or have their titles change, be repositioned, um, be shifted into um, HR areas. Um, I've seen a lot of words that have shifted into uh, things like culture, belonging, uh, people operations, uh, those types of words that really started to kind of, kind of spring up for individuals who are, who have been within diversity, equity, and inclusion, but their again their state or their institution doesn't allow them to to use that language anymore, and so uh, like I said, for 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 me, I've seen a lot of title changes and a lot of switching of language that can still be categorized as DEI work in in some way, shape, or form, but they're just not calling it that. Yeah, same. I, I've seen a lot of, as you mentioned, organizational shifts where this is moving from campus uh, or athletic department over to HR and falling under HR. So very, very unique and interesting times. Um, Dom, as a student athlete on campus, 
Can you talk about how you have seen students and student athletes dive into DEIB work through causes and activism? And how have you seen this aspect of it evolve um, during your time as a student athlete? Uh, definitely. Uh, I think the difference I've seen from first being in college as a freshman until now is that a lot of our uh, the athletes and my, you know, like teammates, you know, just around, we're understanding the power we have as collegiate athletes and how much comes with that. Um, and I think we're in a space where we're kind of trying to figure out what we can and, and can't do or, you know, how far we can go as student athletes. Um, because, you know, when I was at LSU, uh, we kind of just wanted to make a space because we didn't really know where to start. Like we wanted to, we knew we could get in the community. We knew we could, you know, impact the youth and things like that. But it was so much going on, uh, especially during that COVID year, it was just things happening left and right. And they expected us just to focus on our sport. And we knew we couldn't do that. So one thing we wanted to do was just create that space on campus for, you know, uh, black athletes and people of color uh, just to come in, voice their opinion and 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 hear everybody's idea, you know. And then there was pushback, uh, you know, from higher ups and things like that. But I think something that as a, a collective, as collegiate athletes, we're kind of pushing back as well. Like we're understanding that you can't really just keep us quiet. Like it's not going to happen. We don't want that to happen. So. You know, I think um, over time, I think we just been, I know for myself, I just continue to be involved in the community, helping out with the different uh, organizations on campus with different students, because a lot of the students, they they understand the platform that we have as athletes uh, and they, they enjoy working with them. I enjoy working with uh, the students as well to hear their side of things, you know, because they definitely have a different point of view in college. Uh, than we do. So I think I think it's been uh, great over the years uh, and it's continuing to grow and uh, and it's been great. Thank you for that. I know that you started um, the organization at LSU. What have you done at Southern Miss? How have you gotten involved in that kind of work in your new institution? Yeah, definitely. It was it was different, you know, coming to Southern Miss, definitely two different uh, atmospheres here. So, you know, I kind of just focused on the community. Like that was my biggest thing, just uh, continually to stay involved with the kids because I'm huge on on starting at a young age. Like if you can reach them young, by the time we get to college, they're already understanding what's going on and, and they can actually do things being that we're becoming young adults, you know. So something that I kind of just do every year is like we hold like a, a camp, you know, here for basket. It's a free camp. We give away toys. We hold a tournament, things. And, and that's just one way to so that they can see us and then we kind of get to see the community and we get to talk to them uh, learn more about them and let them know, like, we're here, uh, we're involved, you know, it's not just, oh, they're college athletes, that's what they're focused on. No, we're definitely uh, here. I'm big on being into the community. Thank you. That's awesome. If you see it, you can be it. That is a very important um as we think about the intercollegiate athletics ecosystem, we have seen a lot of conferences diving into this topic with various conference-supported initiatives and activations. Hamilton, being at the conference level, can you talk about how you all handle this at the MAC and your thoughts on the importance of DEIB work being more than just at the institutional level? Yeah, sure. So um, to answer the first part of your question with how I handle it at the MAC, um, an advantage being at a conference office is not having one athletic department at my disposal. Um, here at the MAC, we have 11 member institutions. So that means I have 11 institutions with athletic departments, administrators, coaches, and student athletes that I could work with. 
um, and I collaborate with them all the time. So I work closely with our SAC um, and through our SAC group, we, you know, do all the NCA initiatives and we also do yearly initiatives on our own, whether it's, you know, for Pride Month or, you know, this month with Black History Month, where we collaborate them on, with them on social media, where they're putting together graphics and videos and then we're approving them and then putting them out on our channels, whether it's our Mac SAC or our uh, Mac primary accounts. Um, to answer the second part of your question, the importance of you know, DEI at a at a larger level, not just institution. Um, I believe that as a conference, uh, it gives us we give the schools free reign to do what they do, but it's also important for us to come up with initiatives. And you know, it's our responsibility as a conference to provide our institutions initiatives that we can do as a league. You know, so I do want to highlight a couple that we do real quick. Um, we have one that's called United for Social Justice campaign, where all of our teams wear patches, whether it's Black Lives Matter or United for Justice patches to show our fight against social injustices. And um, with in addition to that, we also provide court decals for our teams. Um, we have video board graphics and courtside graphics, and we also have a 30-minute commercial spot for our ESPN Plus games, where it talks about us being United for Social Justice. And another one we have is our Time Out for Black Lives, which we started in 2022, where um, basically we have an initiative where it's a virtual reading program where coaches and student athletes read books uh, to middle age or elementary school kids, where it basically interactive and it talks about different black cultures. Um, and we have about 25 books on the website now. And um, so that's another great initiative we do. And again, with this being an election year, we also have another initiative with uh, Vote where we work with All In. So these are initiatives as a conference that we do when we work with all of our member institutions to run and promote these. Thank you. Those are all, those are awesome. Like I love the, I love the reading. That's, that's a great, that's a great, great thing. Um, so Sebastian, we talk about DEI B work being work that everyone needs, needs to handle. And I believe that strategic communicators are uniquely placed to be advocates and supporters in this area. Can you talk a little bit about how you're supporting this work in your current role? Yes. So I'm currently trying to just be a positive advocate for DEI. So just trying to crack the shell more and more of my coworkers, student athletes, just what DEI is in our space. Um, I've seen a lot of people are kind of uncomfortable with the topic just because they may feel it's about maybe race or it's too political, but I try to explain them that it's okay being uncomfortable. And the more you understand, you can lead, it leads to a more of a stronger workplace and team culture. Uh, and then also I've had the opportunity to maybe sit on some hiring searches or kind of maybe structure who's on the committee. So I try to be more intentional with trying to advocate for more people that have a diverse background or just different color. They come have a different mindset, have a different academic um, standpoint, which leads to picking a more diverse hiring pool, which can lead to a more high quality candidate for the job. I love that. I um, as someone that has been in this uh, communication sphere for the majority of my career, um, I I believe that our our members are uniquely um, able to find out stories and are able to push in initiatives. You know, like like Hamilton talked about. I think that we're. I think that really communicators are poised to really help to push push these things along and to bring visibility to them. So I love I love that you're you're helping and all of us are helping to um, push these initiatives along and, and make our spaces more, more diverse and inclusive. I think it's really important. Um, 
I want to remind people that are watching, please feel free to drop us questions in the Q&A channel. We are, we are ready for questions um, and are happy to take them. So um, kind of a final, as before we get to questions, wrap up question, and this is for everybody. Um, what are some ways that we can continue to elevate and advocate for DEIB work in each of our spheres, particularly um, as we're kind of approaching an election year? We've seen how election years have been in the past. Like, what can we do to keep um, open mindedness, inclusivity, diversity at the forefront of these really pivotal times in our society right now? And I will start with Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think to uh, elevate, I think we got to do two things. One, we have to educate. And I think we have to be proactive in college athletics in general. It's a fluid thing. You know, it's always constantly changing and it's constantly evolving. So I think it's our responsibility to continue to educate ourselves and continue to find resources that we could provide for our administrators, for our coaches, for our student athletes. And then with being proactive, you know, um, when it comes to knowledge and educating ourselves, if we are proactive and we can get ahead of things, you know, we can go to our bosses, our ADs, our commissioners, our vice presidents, our presidents and say, hey, this is coming. So we need to be prepared or, hey, we can be at the forefront and do this before it becomes the norm. You know, so I think that's the best way to keep elevating is if we just keep educating ourselves and we just keep being at the forefront and being proactive. I love that. Um, Dewan, what do you think? First, Hamilton, thank you. Um, so I, I have some of the same thoughts. And I, I think one thing that comes to mind for me that could be helpful to continue to uh, make it commonplace and, and push in all the things is, um, I would say, really define what diversity, equity, and inclusion means at, at the most basic level, right? Because I think at the root of some of the the legislation that we're seeing, there's a, there's a fundamental misunderstanding as to what people are trying to ban, right? And so I think if you are in a state, or even if you're not in a state, really, but really examining and talking about what does this actually mean for our department and for the people that will be impacted, you know, if this work is to go away or if it is to continue, um, and really having those conversations with yourself and with the people around you about why this work is so vital and important to really continue to, to kind of push this message and make sure that we continue to build environments that all of us can really thrive in. And I think in addition to that, really, as we get into, you know, this, uh, specifically this election year, uh, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is I would hope people start to do is really define what civility means, right? Um, you know, there's there's always this this perception of like, oh, we we need to, we need to dialogue across difference, or we need to, you know, have discussion to reach common ground. And um, a lot of times we don't really even define what it means to be civil with one another. Uh, and so really understanding and describing what civility is and how to actually have that conversation uh, when you do have competing thoughts, perspectives, opinions, lifestyles, and all those things. Um, and if you can really define what civility means and, and decide how to kind of go about that in the, in the right way, that can give you the opportunity to really actually start to dialogue across difference and, and reach, some, some, reach some decisions that probably need to be made anyway, right? Um, and hopefully for the better good. Man, I love, that was a great answer. So thank you for that. Um, Sebastian, what do you think? Um, I just think it's have to just keep continuing pushing and educating people the entire mission of DEI. 
Um, I've seen a lot that's kind of been used as like a political like pinata, and I just feel that it's not. It's more than just that. It's it can it helps workplaces. It helps you know team cultures build, have a successful department or college. That that is that is facts, as the kids say. Um, Dom, do you have some thoughts? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with like everything they're saying is really good. Uh, I think from a student athlete perspective, uh, I think something that I enjoy that the school does, like we do it here at Southern Miss and even at LSU, is that they had us have meetings with you know people in these positions that that could inform us and and let us know more information about it and. And it allowed us to have a, be a better viewpoint of things and understand it. So that's something that I enjoyed doing was being able to talk to those people who are in these certain positions uh, to inform us. And then I think something that we got to do as student athletes is be able to ask those questions, you know, and, and use our resources. Like we're able to talk to people that, you know, our friends might not be able to talk to for the simple fact that we are collegiate athletes. You know, it allows us to be in certain rooms that not everybody can be in. So I think, uh, that's just something that we can do as student athletes is to continue to, to grow in this space and uh, understand more because if we can understand more, we can also help other people understand more. So I think just understanding, once again, understanding the platform we have and being able to to ask those questions and uh, learn from those who are in these positions uh, trying to make a change. I love that. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, I really think... Um, for me, it's about being able to unpack DEIB. I think that everyone has these, their own unique thoughts about it. And I think being able to unpack it with, while being using the word civility as, as Dewan talked about, um, and to have, have space to have those uncomfortable conversations, but also create space to make, have those uncomfortable conversations are, is really important. Um, I think that, you know, the old saying, you have to be uncomfortable, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that as a, as a society, as um, college athletics, I think we have to lean into that a little bit more. I think sometimes um, when things get uncomfortable or hard, we, we, we tend to retreat to our corners and not really um, unpack the stuff. Um, and as my dad used to always tell me, call the thing, the thing. And so I think it's important for us to create space to do that in a way that's healthy, um, in a way that is, everyone feels welcome. And I think that that would be a, that would be a challenge that I would, um, give to all of us on this, on this call is like, how can we, how can we be that for someone, um, particularly our student athletes, um, and how can we create that for someone? Um, I think those are really important things to be able to have some of these great conversations that like the one we're having right now. Um, we have some questions in the queue. Um, this first one is for uh, Hamilton. At the conference level, does the MAC have DE&I initiatives that all member institutions partake in? Do you have schools that are more involved than others? And how do you deal with that? It's a great question. Yeah, so um, the initiatives that I actually mentioned um, earlier, all of our schools do partake in them. Um, with the patches, all of our schools have patches. They all run the commercials. Um, they all use our digital signage. Um, with the timeout for Black Lives, same thing where um, uh, we've, we've worked with all of our institutions. Uh, a, lot of the institu a lot of the institutions, some are better than others, um, but 
everyone does partake and there's no you know punishment or anything like that with the ones who do less um we kind of just work with them and the ones who are doing more we utilize them more or we collaborate with them more and a lot of times what it does is they hold themselves accountable so if one school is getting highlighted more than others the other ones are looking at hey what are you guys doing to promote dei what are you guys doing on your campus because these schools are constantly getting highlighted but you guys aren't so it's a way that they kind of police themselves and hold themselves accountable but everyone does partake in the initiatives together. And again, some do more than others, but they work amongst themselves to police it. Love that. Um, another question in the chat, um, what are some ways an SID can encourage their student athletes to come to them with stories they want to tell in the DEI space? Um, Dom, how can, a, how can an SID help student athletes find uh, their voice when it comes to those issues that are important to them? It's a great question. Uh, I think, I think the best way to do that is just, just make your student athletes feel comfortable because everybody has their own story, you know, um, and they, we want to tell it as student athletes, but there's certain things as a student athlete, we don't want to go too far because like I said, when we first started our, uh, the Black Student Athlete Association at LSU, a lot of people was telling us like, fans are going to do this. They're going to feel this way about it. You're going to get pushed back. It might keep you from having this opportunity, that opportunity, uh, but then we had other people who told us, like, understand, like, when you do this, you are stepping out and you are, you know what I'm saying, quote, unquote, putting a target on you because you're speaking on things that not everybody, and let's be real, not all fans want to hear from athletes. Um, but we have people who support us. So if you're somebody who supports that and support your student athletes, let them know that. Let them know that they're you're there to help them, their voice be heard. Um, let them know that there's different ways to go about it because there there are certain ways that you could go the wrong way about it, but there are a lot of right ways to go about it. And and you know, I seen like me I, when when I first started, something that we had to understand was like we were angry. Like when we started, like we were angry. We were we we're mad at seeing everything uh, that was going on in the world, and they felt like it just was consistently happening. And all people wanted us to do was focus on athletics, and we didn't want to do that because like that wasn't the first thing on our minds, but we had to take a step back and understand that if we approach this the wrong way, then you know how people like to spin things and, and it never, it wouldn't have helped. It wouldn't have been beneficial. So I think just, just letting us as student athletes know that you support us and support our stories and help us go about it the right way. And the best way to, to get the, the, um, the best reaction, you know, the most beneficial way to push the message, then I think that's, that's great. You know, that was my, like, when we had our staff support us, uh, even here, like, our staff supporting us, it means a lot coming from people who, who are supposed to take care of us and watch over us and, and understand, like, regardless of how the fans might react or certain people might react, you still have my back in a sense. So that's the best way. That's a great answer. And anyone can, anyone on the panel can answer these questions. I'll chime in a little bit. I think, um, I think the biggest thing we can do is show up. Um, you know, when they're doing something and it, we're trying to cultivate safe space and make ourselves be known as people that they can reach out to and have, you know, have those conversations, they're never going to know that unless we show up at their things, um, show up and support. Um, once they begin to see you there, um, they'll realize that like, oh, this is a person that I can come to. So I think sometimes we, and I, I say this for myself, sometimes I think that we think that we have to do the biggest, grandest thing to let people know. Sometimes it's just as small as showing up 
And that's a symbol of support. So I think like, let's not take that away from it either. I think that just showing up and being present is really important as well. Jess, I, I add something to that too. Um, I, I know it's different for every school, but I know a number of SIDs travel with the teams that they work with, right? It might not be every trip, but you, you get the opportunity to travel um, at some points too. I would say using your relationship with the coach or the staff that you work with the closest on that team to be able to um, really bring opportunities or bring awareness to the fact that, hey, we might have athletes who really care about, you know, these types of things. Um, even if you don't have that specific to say, hey, I know Dom really well, and I talked to Dom and Dom cares about this. Even if you don't have that, you can still be the one to be able to share that with the coach to say, hey, we might have some athletes on the team who really are passionate around a lot of these social justice issues. Are there ways that we can talk about it? Are there ways that we can bring somebody in and talk to the team? Um, something our teams have started to do is when they have longer um, uh, longer travel days or longer travel trips, uh, they've started to come to me in my office and say, hey, if we got an extra off day and we want to do something around you know, social justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is there something in this city that we can go to, right? Um, so like, for example, our, our women's basketball team just went to LA uh, to play USC, UCLA, and they had an extra day and said, hey, we, we want to go see, you know, the 50th year anniversary of the hip hop Grammy Museum um, exhibit. Um, you know, is there anything that you want to provide, some talking points or anything? I'm like, nope, you're good, right? Here's here's the link. Here's everything that you need to be able to kind of do that on your own. But, um, you know, I'm rambling a little bit, but I'll I'll get back to my original point, though. As, as SIDs, you have access to coaches that the athletes don't always either know or utilize or know how to utilize. And sometimes you can and be able to be the advocate and that voice to say, Hey, I think there are opportunities to really talk about this or get to know the athletes in these ways. I'm willing to help do that. What does it look like for you as a staff or you as a coach? I love that answer. Um, I think I say this all the time. Um, relationships are a communications person's secret sauce. Um, the relationships that you can build with your student athletes, the relationships you can build with your coaches and administrators, you're the person that's able to be the bridge to all of those, all of those constituents. And it's super important that we utilize those relationships to help move these things to the forefront. So I, I am wholeheartedly agree with that, with that response. Uh, a couple more questions. Um, if you were on a search committee and hiring a person for a position within your department, what are some key catchphrases and ideas that you are looking for the interviewee to have and say that could positively impact you and persuade you to help their candidacy? Anyone want to take that? I take it. Um, when I'm on a search committee, I try to look for, let's say I'm hiring, we're hiring for a coach. Um, I try to look for a coach that's best going to serve our student athletes first. Um, not just as an athlete, but also helping them push them as a student and just more so in life. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I think for me, when I'm serving, on, and I have hired a lot of people in the last year, I think the thing that's really important to me is to make sure that we're, um, the job description is not limiting. Um, I try really hard to use the right language. Um, I've been reading a lot of articles about HR lately and taking out some of the like educational requirements. Um, I think the larger of the larger net that you can cast um, without making people feel like they're unqualified from 
from the beginning, I think you're going to get better pools. And so I think it would be really important, particularly as you're working to publicize jobs or putting together job descriptions to be very intentional um, and have more than when you're doing that, have other people take a look at it um, to make sure that it's not, it, it's not limiting by some of the language. And so I think that's a really something that could be a whole different webinar. Um, but I think that that's an important piece of this is we need to make sure that we're giving everyone a, ch a chance and, you know, by using certain language, we limit people immediately. Um, anyone else want to take that? All right. I have one more question in the queue. If anyone has questions, please don't hesitate. We have a, a probably about 10 more minutes, so keep them coming. Um, one way we've been able to support and bring visibility to DE&I is by running a series with our student athletes who are first-generation college students. However, what is your advice when you have administrators or coaches who turn a deaf ear or have disinterest slash resistance to DEI efforts? What are some ways to best open up conversations with them? It's a good one. It's the last one, but it's a good one. <laughs> Anybody want to take that? Uh, I can. Uh, I think it's, just, it's some, like, I think our biggest thing, like, when we started was we had, we had a a black female coach. So we had uh, at LSU uh, and she was supportive of everything we did, but you know, the people above her weren't necessarily, you know what I'm saying? The most support with it. So we kind of went to other sports. We went to other coaches and we, we built relationships with other student athletes and their coaches and things like that. And I think just using all of the resources that's there, like using all of the people, like it might not be the first, it might not be your coach. Your coach might not be the one that you have to talk to. So having those, like I had friends on other teams, track, softball, things like that. And their coaches wasn't the best. So they came to me and we talked and I allowed them to meet my coach and they built a relationship and understanding that somebody is here. Like they might not be your coach, uh, but somebody uh, on somebody's staff is going to help you. So I think just understanding that, yeah, we have our different teams, but Athletics is athletics as a whole. We're all here for one, you know, we all play for the same school. We all play for the same reason, you know what I'm saying? So I think understanding that there are different people in the department that you, you might not be able to talk to your coach. You might have to go and reach out uh, and find help somewhere else in the department. And I think having that and then be, uh, being able to come to your coach, maybe, maybe that might help your coach actually start listening that they see somebody who, it isn't necessarily their athlete there. That's kind of their coworker, you know what I'm saying? So understanding that, okay, they got a different point of view. Now they can help me get my point across to my coach, you know? So just, just constantly understanding that it might not be, you know what I'm saying? It might not uh, come easy talking to your head coach, but if you did have, I advise student athletes to go search uh, in the department because there's, there's somebody who's going to help and help uh, us get our voice out. I love that. I always tell my student athletes, find your people. It does not have to be on your team. It does not have to be your, your direct administrator, find your people. And it doesn't always have to be in athletics, um, find your people. Um, and they will help you get, get where you need to go. Anybody else have thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I can chime in as well. Um, for me, I, I have support here with my current commissioner and my previous commissioner with DI initiatives. But um, one piece of advice I guess I can give about how to, you know, show them, you know, we're SIDs and SID world research. You know, we do a lot of research. So do research, you know, 
educate yourself and see what other people are doing, see what other schools are doing, other conferences are doing, and then bring it to your higher ups and show them how it could benefit us. You know, these are initiatives that essentially can move us ahead. You know, so if we're doing these things, and like I said before, getting ahead of everyone, it makes us look better. You know, it shows us that we care. It shows that we're not just staying status quo. So I think the best way, you know, to do this is to get as much data as you can and, and get do as much research as you can so you can show the higher ups how it can benefit. And I think that's the best way for them to, you know, they, they can't deny numbers, you know, so if you can show them numbers and show them that this is very important and this can help us, I think they won't be able to turn a deaf ear. Uh, I'd add, to, sorry, go ahead, Jess. No, I was gonna, I was gonna call on you. <laughs> I would say to the one thing that I found to be helpful is knowing what language gets your coach administration other athletes etc to, to kind of lean in a little bit more right so I think a lot of the opportunities and challenges around DEI uh, at least for me I think really at, at the root of it they are there are issues that really deal with well-being wellness um, and if, if somebody is doing something that is as the offender, that could be a conduct issue, right? And so um, being able to use language like that to talk to your coaches or staff to be like, hey, uh, there might be a potential student wellness issue with somebody on your team if they're feeling, you know, or on the receiving end of any of the isms that you want to name, right? Um, or if somebody, again, is the, the offender that's like, hey, this might be a conduct issue. So I need you to really lean in and engage in this conversation around what this might look like to get this person help, education, resources, whatever it is, right? And so um that's that's not something that I would say default to that I, again that's probably to the question if they are disinterested or resistant that's you know just a switch in language that might get them to kind of participate or perk their ears up a little bit more but those are things that you know when it comes to those drastic measures and you need somebody to listen that can that can really help to make sure that their their ears are open totally agree I'll add one quick thing because we have two more questions and we're running a little low on time but um bottom line However, these initiatives and these types of things can help your bottom line. As a campus, if you're doing stories about first-generation students, that means that you're first-generation first friendly, right? That can help your enrollment. Um, these type of things can help the university, promote the university, promote your department. So I think making sure as we go back to using the language, um, any way that these things can be seen as positives for your department or your institution, that that's important to to make sure that we that we take advantage of and ha when having these conversations. All right, I have three more questions. We might not get to all of them, but first one is: What are the major things you are working to do or planning to do to keep DEIB initiatives and the spirit of an inclusive environment at the forefront of your office or conference going forward? Good question. Anyone? What's coming down the pipe for any of you all? Any new initiatives, thoughts? Well, I can share something that's kind of special in my in my world of soccer. Um, I am I our club just became the first USL women's soccer club to join something called Play Proud. And it's basically a cohort of international teams, professional teams. So you're talking NWSL. 
MLS, we're the only pre-professional team that really meets for a year to discuss how to make soccer more inclusive. Um, it's a really prestigious thing, and we're super excited to be piloting it for our um, for our for our clubs in the USLW. It's a big deal, and I'm excited to shepherd it forward. So that's a cool thing for us. Anybody else got anything coming up? All right. Um, I will. Okay. Two more questions with recent legislature condemning DEI initiatives and end of affirmative action. Is there a concern that title nine could be reexamined? Is there an avenue or meeting space where all DEI representatives can strategize as a collective? It's a good one. Anyone want to take that? Well, I would say that I think that obviously I, I personally think that Title IX will be will be examined. Um, but I also think that there's all there's always an opportunity to um get together and strategize. I know that um, there are so many groups out there of folks, like-minded folks coming together to talk about these things. And I'll kick it to Dewan because I know he's going to talk about some of these things. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, I think some of the justice points, I don't know, will be examined. I think my personal opinion is that it's a, it's a little safer, uh, especially because I think the NCA has really leaned into Title IX more than the, 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 national legislation, if you will, right? And so um, I don't foresee a lot of things getting cut from that perspective. Um, where people go to strategize and talk, um, the two that immediately come to mind for me for a conference perspective is the NCA Inclusion Forum. Uh, this year is from April 23rd to 25th, I want to say. Um, great space where there are practitioners from college, pro, even youth amateur uh, who are coming together to talk about DEI issues in sport uh, on a consistent basis. And so that's definitely what I would recommend looking into um, organization-wise. Uh, there's an organization that um, I helped co-founded with a colleague of mine named Sheridan Blanford uh, called DICE, the Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity Council of Excellence. Um, it's comprised of different DEI practitioners across sport to talk about how to best move DEI forward in sport, right? And so uh, we meet on a monthly basis, uh, and, and the vast majority of people that are on that call are sitting in positions that carry DEI missions for or work with DEI in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so that's a great space to, to engage as well. Um, I'm biased, but shameless plug, DICE is great. You should look into it. DICE is great. Um, last question. We have student athletes fill out information forms that we use to create bios. They fill them out at media day. We would like to include more personal information that we won't necessarily put on rosters, but what are thoughts about asking about pronouns, preferred names, and perhaps ethnicity to potentially be able to reach out to the student athletes when history months come around? Thoughts? Mine is yes. I think yeah. it's super important, <laughs> super, super important. So um, do that, continue to do that and tell everyone else to do it too. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, I think that's just another way of showing your student athletes that, that you care, you know, about that, you know, because that is becoming more like known, like more information about it is coming out. And like, and I think if you asking it during their media, that, that just shows that there's something that, that you want to know about them and that you care about um, including them in that way. So I think I think that's definitely a, a good idea uh, to do. Anybody else? 
Yeah, I mean, I basically just want to echo what Dom said. You know, it, it shows that you care. You know, um, on those media days, we're trying to collect as much information as possible from our student athletes. So showing that we care about their pronouns, um, it shows that we're not just getting the basic information and we don't just care about the general information from, you know, your high school. You know, we care about things that we know the student athletes care about. I love it. Well, friends, it, we are at time. Um, I'd like to give a big thanks to our presenters today for the discussion and their insights. We appreciate your questions as well. This was a great conversation. Again, this CSC webinar will be on demand later today in a video format and also as a podcast to share that information with your colleagues. We encourage you to check out our website, collegesportscommunicators.com for updated information on what's on tap for CSC programming and continuing education. I hope everyone has a great day and thank you for joining us.